Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. dynamic is and what's the mindset 
of these women who are in the church who actually, you know, are entering the church very hungry and thirsty. <laughs> you know, Pastor Jeff reminded us that it's just, you know, the women of the world coming on in to the church house and, you know, now we're just under one roof. And, you know, he said, hey, 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 you know, thanks to the women who come in hungry, I was able to kind of, excuse me, work through the women. And we know that that is a very common thing. And unfortunately, we as women set the stage for these men to actually function like this. So, you know, we don't think about it that way. But, you know, Pastor Kim, Pastor Shanti, Pastor Shanti, ooh, am I speaking something into existence? Ha, <laughs> ha. Um, Pastor Shanti, oh, my goodness. Pastor Kim, Pastor Jeff, and Shanti really helped us to get a nice, clear picture of, you know, what goes on in some of these women's heads and, you know, why they're like they are and the danger you know, in, in being like that. And, you know, one of the things that I thought about was, you know, the enemy is, is always big. But can we blame the enemy for everything? Well, the answer is no. Because the Bible itself speaks of our flesh being so weak. And Pastor Kim brought that up yesterday. You know, when we don't fortify ourselves, as they all reminded us at the end, you know, keep yourself in the Word of God. Keep yourself under a strong ministry and a strong ministry head. Keep yourself prayed up. Because if you don't, what's going to happen? You know, what's going to happen to us when we decide that, you know, we, we're ready to date, and in actuality, we're really not ready. Because we haven't shaken off and gotten rid of all the leftovers from past experiences and relationships. And we walk up into the church, and we're hungry, and we're thirsty, and we're making ourselves available and we're vulnerable because we have not sought God to find out what he wants for our life. We haven't taken the time to consult God as to whether we should even be out here dating. So just because you can date doesn't mean that it's time to date. And, you know, doing the wrong things at the wrong time, being in the wrong place at the wrong time, having the wrong mindset at the, at the wrong time, that stuff is a recipe for disaster. And when you have really stepped out on your own and you have not consulted God, as to what you should be doing or where you should be, man, you're in trouble. 
And I consistently warn that sometimes we're at a point in our life where we can't go everywhere. Our feet can't force every path. Our bodies cannot cross every threshold. You know, say, oh, come on. You know, come on here and come on there and, you know, come on, we just going over to my friend's house or come on over here, you know, we just going over to my girl's house or my man's house or, you know, and I don't you know, my boy's house, maybe I feel like that. That's not always the place where you need to be. You know, stay straight up. And ask God to order your steps. Because I'm telling you something. You don't want to be out here mixing it up in an area, in an environment, and with people that you have no business being with. And I'm telling you something. You get caught up at the wrong time with the wrong people. It can be a life, a life-changing experience that you were not anticipating, that you are not prepared for, that you oh, have put yourself up. And <laughs> we always look to the Lord to rescue us. And uh, I'm so glad. You know, God ain't like man who gets tired of us. And I'm glad that Jesus is not like man who, regardless of how many times he messed up, he's still calling our name out to God. Because I'm going to tell you something. A whole lot of times we give up on one another. Because we just sick and tired of hearing the same old thing. Over and over again, no matter how much you tell people, don't do this, don't do that. You know how many times I've, you know, talked to people right in the church, and you come into church for counsel, you come into church for guidance, you come into church to hear the word of God, you're calling me to get a Bible study, get a um a verse or a scripture clarified and you're not listening and I'm talking and I'm talking and I'm talking and I'm praying for you and I'm praying with you and I'm giving you the word of God and I'm watching the disaster happen but according to you, you living your best life and I'm watching the disaster go on I'm watching the sub-level life you think you live in your best life. You think just because you got water from the rock, it's okay, and everything is working well. And behind the scenes, <laughs> you're living at a level, you know, seven, when you should be living at a level ten. You're living at a level six, when you should be living at a level ten. And I'm watching and I'm watching and I'm listening and I'm like, why? Why are we putting ourselves through this thing here? It's because of the flesh. It ain't because of the devil. Not because of the enemy. It's because of us. We make our own decisions and we determine what goes on in our life. 
The enemy is only an influence. The enemy cannot make you do anything. No. Because I don't care how much we are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We, our DNA comes from God and Jesus. So all we have to do is call on the Lord. And we can mess you up. But that's when you really want to get out of that thing. That's not that, you know, calling on the Lord, telling him I'm never doing no more. If you get me out of this, I'm going to change. Well, you know good and well you're not ready to change and you're not ready to stop doing what you're doing. But I'm talking about when we got to the point where we called on the name of the Lord and we were really, really, really ready to do what God wanted us to do, what God had been calling us to do all along. And finally, we're sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. And that's not something somebody called me last week and said, Yo, Chef, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I said, Amen. <laughs> Are you tired? Amen. So come on, people. Come on, people of God. And that's who I'm talking to. Because, see, we're the ones who walk around in la-la land thinking we're doing it right. Trying to convince somebody that we are right and we're okay and we're a big fat mess. So come on. Come on over. Really, really, come and really come on over to God's side. Take your foot off that banana peel and give God your life for real, for real, for real. All right? And that's how we spent our Tuesday. <laughs> well, today, 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 by the grace of God, it is Wednesday. Oh, and you know how we do it over here on a Wednesday morning. The ladies reign. Yes, 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 yes. And we are so grateful to God for allowing us to see another Wednesday morning. So, we're about to get this morning started, so go ahead and get that healthy breakfast. Go ahead and tell somebody that it's the time of Pastor Steph is us, and whatever you do, make sure you go nowhere, because we will be right back. Witnessing an overdose is scary. So scary, you might want to run away and not tell anyone. Don't. In New Jersey, most people who call the police or an ambulance to report an overdose won't be arrested. It's the law. So save a life. Don't think twice. Call 911. This message is brought to you by the New Jersey Department of Human Services.
Good morning, good morning, and good morning again. Welcome back to Tipsy Town with Pastor Steph. And it is Wow Wednesday. Oh, giving God thanks for it not being hump day. You know, people are struggling to get through the week. But we're giving God thanks because it's Wow Wednesday for us. And God is just navigating us through the day and uh, through the morning and through the week. And how, I mean, how grateful can we be for what he's done for us? And um, we've got our girl Vivian all reared up and ready to go. So I won't waste any more of your time listening to Pastor Steph's voice. Let's say good morning to our girl Viv. Good morning, Vivian. Good morning. Happy Wow Wednesday. How are you, Pastor Steph? I am well. Thank you. I'm well. Thank you. I want to hear that vibrant you had on Saturday, girl. I want to hear that vibrant. <laughs> How are you today? I am hanging in there. God kept me healthy just for Saturday, and after that, I went down. I got sick as a dog. <laughs> oh, I'm so oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You worked yourself to death. You, I mean, you all just worked and worked and worked, and it doesn't surprise me that you're not feeling that well, and we're going to keep you prayed up. And stay it up before the Lord because we need you functioning. And we pray that you, you know, you are feeling better. But in the meantime, Vivian, what you got for us today, girl? All right. Today on Socially Conscious, we have some news regarding gun violence. So Mayor Eric Adams has just released plans worth $485 million in hopes to help with gun violence. They say they want to address issues that lead kids down the path to pick up a gun before they get to that fork in the road. And they say it is usually because of lack of resources. So the mayor's new plan will focus on seven youth-centric strategies, including elementary and middle school-aged children, for a more holistic, less law enforcement forced approach, most of the funds will go toward early intervention opportunities to steer young people away from guns, better housing, helping to navigate social programs and revitalizing neighborhoods by investing in parks and community centers. So some of the topics or some of the areas that they listed that they want to focus on is, again, the early intervention, housing, navigation and benefits, which means providing easier access to government programs, community vitality, employment and entrepreneurship, trauma-informed care, community and police relations. Now, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I'm not hearing anything really concrete. To me, it sounds like the typical things that they already list and that they're already doing. Housing for at-risk youth means what? The projects, 
or these new low income buildings that are that they are putting up on their way to becoming the new projects. Navigation and benefits means what? Sending out information about food stamps and the tip the other typical government assistance. Employment, entrepreneurship, to me, sounds like these programs that they force you to attend in order to qualify for food stamps and other government assistance. So I don't know. I don't want to be a, neg- uh, you know, a pessimist being all negative and things like that. But for this plan to be $485 million, I'm not hearing anything truly concrete. But y'all let me know what y'all think. Speaking of food stamps, a judge has just ordered New York City to expedite the processing of food stamp applications and recertifications amid a backlog, which advocates said is causing food instability for families who benefit from the program. The lawsuit states the city was failing to process SNAP applications within the 30-day time period required by state and federal law, which was causing those eligible to not be able to receive their benefits, which caused them, again, that food instability for those families who qualify. The judge has ordered that the city has to create monthly progress reports on the processing of applications. So if you are one of those people who has been having issues with your food stamps and government assistance and your SNAP, um, hopefully, you know, they'll adhere to the court order and they will do what they need to do and you'll be receiving your benefits soon and they want to start keeping tabs on that and making sure that they're doing what they need to do so that this does not continue to happen because we know that food is very expensive and we've been talking a lot about you know, the the increase of people who are just struggling to to receive food and how hunger has increased in the state. So hopefully they'll start working on that and things will get better. Our next story is kind of an update, at least in my eyes, because we have been talking a lot about mental illness and the increase of that since pretty much the pandemic for some reason. And we've been talking about the increase of violence as well. And I came across this article that wanted to highlight the effects of mental illness and the increase it is having on attacks on EMT workers, which honestly I never even thought about, and probably you haven't either. But unfortunately, it is a thing. Reports say there has been... 121 assaults against EMS workers this year alone. As an example of some of the attacks are 25-year-old Fatum, who was released from the hospital on Wednesday, a week after 48-year-old Rudy Garcia allegedly stabbed her eight times in the chest, arms, legs, and in the back, while she was with him in the back of the ambulance near Mount Sinai Hospital. Authorities say Garcia was allegedly throwing gum wrappers at the um, EMT before pulling a kitchen knife from his sock and stabbing her. They're saying usually that these uh, workers are left behind in the ambulance by themselves 
but, you know, you don't really think that you're going to get attacked. Usually EMT workers are being called because someone is hurt, sick, dying, and you would never think that they would be attacked as much as they have been, which, again, they are blaming on the, in the increase of attacks on mental illness and in the society, and they are looking at some, they're looking to make some changes, one of them being that there will be two EMT workers in the back of the ambulance going forward, one for patient care and one for the protection of the other. They're also looking to make it mandatory for police to travel with ambulance to any scene and possibly making it lawful for patients to have to be searched before entering into the ambulance. Again, EMTs being attacked is just something that I never even thought about, never crossed my mind. They're also um, accrediting these increase in attacks on drug use. You know, fentanyl is becoming really prominent in a lot of places, and people are getting into these ambulance doped up and high on different things and attacking these people. So they're looking to make some changes to keep these people safe. And I think it's a really good idea because, again, I just never thought of it. So now that they're making it known, it definitely needs to be where they're making some changes to keep these people safe. One lady just lost her life because someone was hopped up on drugs. He stole their ambulance and then ran her over and killed her. So, again, things are getting really bad. Mental illness is increasing and drug use is increasing. So let's just keep these people safe. Lastly, we have news on asylum seekers yet again. As Pastor Stephanie got on, I believe, last week and spoke about how Mayor Eric Adams has said there is just simply no more room for asylum seekers and that government assistance is desperately needed. Well, there are news reports out that are talking about the line of asylum seekers that have been sleeping outside of the Roosevelt Hotel for days as they wait for shelter placement, and they're just saying there's nothing that we can do. Everywhere is full. So these people are lined up outside of the hotel sleeping on cardboard boxes, and they have been doing so for days. One woman shared with reporters pictures of food that they served the asylum seekers that was still frozen. She says that she is pregnant and high risk, and they are only fed a meal once per day, and she is concerned about not receiving proper nutri nutrition for herself and her baby. So when Mayor Adams said it is only going to get worse from here, he was not joking. So they really need to figure out what they're going to do because it makes no sense for these people to come from wherever they are coming from to come out here and be sleeping outside in the summer in these conditions and only being fed once a day. And then the food that they are being fed is frozen. They didn't even take the time to thaw it out or heat it up. So these are just inhumane conditions, and something definitely needs to be done. And now for our wow story of the week. Oftentimes, kids turn to teachers and other staff at their school for help when they can't get it from home. 
But what are you to do when the people you thought you can trust ignore your cries for help? And this is exactly what happened to one student who was sexually assaulted by two of her classmates and now five school employees out in Florida are in deep waters after not reporting the assault to authorities. These five employees worked at Palm Beach Central High out in Florida. They are Principal Darren Edgecombe, Assistant Principals Daniel Snyder and Narita Cato D. Garcia, former guidance counselor Ms. Carter, and chorus teacher Scott Hutchins. The girl who has not been named was 15 at the time and says she was sexually assaulted back in August of 2021. She became suicidal and acted in self-harming practices due to the assault. A friend who became aware of it wrote a note to the um, choir teacher, the chorus teacher, and she was pretty sure that when she passed this note on to him that he would do something about it. But unfortunately, he did not. This note just was passed around from staff to staff, and no one did a thing. Turns out, the boy accused of the assault is related to the former assistant principal, Daniel Snyder, who says he ran his own investigation and determined the sexual assault did not happen. They said they heard that the girl had attempted suicide, but didn't think much of it because it wasn't her first time. Now, everyone is facing charges, but the wowiest part of it all is that most, if not all of them, are still working for the Palm Beach County School District, but, quote, in positions that do not involve student contact, end quote. This is according to a letter sent to parents by the regional superintendent. So Pastor Charlene always comes on and, and does her conspiracy theories about somebody knowing somebody. And that is exactly what happened here. This boy, these boys were able to get away with what they did to this young lady because they were related to a higher up in the school. And nobody did anything to help this girl, knowing what she was going through. So now they're all facing charges, and it is just sickening. And to still have these people working in the school, it doesn't matter what position you hold in the school, your highest priority should be the, the children. So if you didn't care enough about this child to report her being sexually abused, why would they still have you in any position in the school? That makes absolutely no sense. But this has been Vivian with Socially Conscious, giving you the news that we are following. And remember, if you have any wild stories you would like to submit, please feel free to direct message me on Facebook. My username there is Vivian BM. And come back every Wednesday to find out if your story has been chosen. Thank you, as always, to our loyal listeners, and thank you, Pastor Steph. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you. I just need a little clarification, please. The last story, the student was sexually assaulted by multiple students or one student? She was sexually assaulted by two boys. Okay, two students. Okay. Okay. 
I think I got the rest of it. Thank you so very much. Please hang around as I ask always. Oh, excuse me. Um, just in case we might need you. And if we don't, please feel better. We're going to keep you lifted in prayer so you can uh, get a good night's rest and move forward with uh, better health. Okay? Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Have a blessed one, Viv. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. As soon as uh, Vivian said that last little piece, I was like, where past the Charlotte, man? She always talking about who do you know? Mm-mm-mm. Let's say good morning to our ladies. And uh, our elder night teacher is the first one on board. Good morning, elder night teacher. Good morning, Pastor Staff. Good morning to our listeners and to my fellow sisters. How are you today? I am well, thank you. How are you? I am doing well. Good. Very good. Thank very you good. Asking. Very good. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. And you know what? We want a little update on little Jacob. How is he? Uh, Jacob is coming along well. He actually just turned seven. He had a birthday um, wow. this past weekend. Yeah, so he's turned seven. He um, is still oh. um, in his final in his final stages of chemo. He completed radiation, and he's in his final stages of chemo. So I'll send y'all that video when he rings the chemo bell. All right, amen, amen, and thank God for another birthday that uh, Lord Jacob was able to have. God is amazing, 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 and give God thanks for his progress. So please keep us posted. Please keep us posted. Thank you for the update. Amen. Will do. All right. Now, on to this crazy news that Vivian is bringing to us. So we've got yes, Mayor sir. Eric Adams, who is rounding up $485 million towards gun violence. And um, Vivian says that the article is giving us information that the money is going to go towards better housing, social programs, parks and community centers, and early intervention programs. But Vivian says that she's not quite hearing maybe some of the stuff that we as, you know, the uh, regular people would love to hear this money go towards. What's your thoughts, Elvin Atisha? Well, I mean, first, I'm happy to know that that it is a priority for them. So we do thank God for that, that gun violence and doing something about it in our uh, urban communities uh, is a priority. Every time we've talked about gun violence or heard, you know, any elected official talk about gun violence, it's, in, it's been in relation to mass shootings, which we've identified, right, that there's a difference between, you know, guns getting into our local communities and mass shootings where people are able to go in and get weapons, automatic weapons. So 
you know, the fact that this is a priority is, is encouraging. And so, I mean, the prayer is that, right, that these things will be built out. I think you have these generic names for these initiatives, and my hope is that he really have some really insightful thought partners at the table with him to build those things out so that they are not as superficial, you know, as we've seen, as Vivian stated, you know, um, they have these titles for things that can sound like they're going to be doing this major impactful work and then we don't feel the effects of it. So the prayer is that, you know, you have this, this, this title for these, these initiatives, but that you bring together, that he brings together some thought partners to help build it out so that it can have great impact. We appreciate your intention, Mayor Adams. Now, we're waiting to see and feel the impact of your intentions. Uh, well said. <laughs> well said. What would be the one layman's word and uh, area that you'd like to see some of this money fall off? You know, instead of um, the idea of putting money back into low-income housing, I think developing more skill preparation for kids. I think, you know, we don't hear anymore. Uh, there used to be a Job Corps. I don't know if anyone remembers a Job yes, Corps. Ma'am. used to be a, yeah, uh, yeah, a program that kids would be able to get into and they can come out with a trade and actually have a means to actually work and make money by going into plumbing and, and just, and, and um, you know, um, making vehicles and mechanical work and things of that nature. I think we need some more programs like that. I think Job Corps has phased out. I don't hear about Job Corps at all. And it wasn't, it wasn't, no. it was like a, maybe like a six-month program or something, and they even had some, some programs that were a little less. You can go into Job Corps for three months and come out with a tangible skill that allows for you to get employment immediately. And I think that's one of the ways that we could, um, you know, put that money, develop programs where these kids can actually enter into a program and gain a skill that not all college is not cut out for everyone. So let's make, let's put right, some money right. into the communities where one parents who can't afford for their kids to go to college. You may have some really smart young people, but they just can't afford to go to college. So if we can make some programs that are affordable where they can go in and um, get these these skill sets, I think that would be great. Absolutely, absolutely. I do remember Job Corps, by the way. Um, and, yeah. and you're right, it was very, very, very beneficial to the child in the hood, if you will, because like you said, mm-hmm. it wasn't where they had college, it was something that, you know, a lot of people need hands-on things. That's where how their brain functions mm-hmm. a little better, and Job Corps did um, allow for that skill to be um, kind of brought out in, in, in our young people, yeah. so yes. Good idea, good idea. Let's talk to our lady, Tamika, and see what she has to say about this new Eric Adams initiative. Good morning, lady Tamika. Good morning. Excuse me. Whoa. You all right over there? I apologize. Yeah, I'm okay. 
Okay. Good morning and happy Wow Wednesday to you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I was like, wow, she's trying to get some attention. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, welcome. Good welcome. <laughs> Glad to have you on, you and uh, Elder Natisha. What do you think about this uh, Eric Adams initiative of $485 million for gun violence, towards gun violence? Let me just make sure I add that. Right. And I'm also looking at, we often say we don't have enough money to do this and do that. And it just always surprises me that there's always another dollar that comes out. And I'm not disputing the fact that there's a necessity. Yes, absolutely there is a necessity. Um, And um, my thought was, as a former police officer, so you know how things happen, you know what happens to our youth, you know um, how they end up where they are. You know, when you see somebody that's been incarcerated and then they, they have recidivist uh, behavior, meaning that they go out, they come back in, they go out, they come back in, they shoot somebody, they go out, they come back in, then you understand the mentality of it. So my, my hope and my prayer is that because you know um, and because you have officers that have seen it, you know, that you know how to head it off in the past. And I just don't want people to get into the mindset of, well, we're going to hold them there or they have to do this class and they have to sit there for hours and not really being engaged. You know, if, if we're going to do something, then let's engage, you know, our youth so that they don't get to the point that they, you know, have recidivist behavior, you know, that they decide, you know, let's head them off at the past before they decide to join a gang, before they decide to get access to a gun, you know, and at this point, because our youth are so wise, you got to start before they become a teenager. You got to start before, you know, like we're looking at six-year-olds now, you know, and so introducing them very extremely early, you know, and um, let being a vital part of their life, not just you know, I'll be here this year and then you'll talk to me next year um, is important because my thing is if you realize how important, you know, an individual is, then you'll value them and you'll value your life. And, you know, I, we got youth now saying, uh, I, I don't care if I die, you know, and that wasn't a, a phrase that I, you know, ever remember saying, you know, even in my youth, you know, I thought that I wouldn't live to see a certain year because of just just of where we live, you know, in New York, but I never had the mindset that I don't care if I die. You know, that's a that's a really scary statement that you don't care if you die and you don't care what happens around you. And, you know, a lot of um youth have that mindset and, and you know, we need prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. All right. So to name something direct, um, Lady Tamika what would you like to see this eight four hundred and eighty five million dollars be used for? I would honestly like to see it as um a course you know early in in our use, you know talking about uh the effect, especially for those that are in inner city areas that 
have access to all types of dangers early. You know, have have a course where you you understand um, the effects of gun violence, um, gang violence, um, associating with certain types of people. You know, um, being being exposed to certain types of things. You know, and and understand. You know, like I remember, I'll be honest. There was a group that I used to. Um, that I was affiliated with. It was part of the guardian angels. Most people don't even know what the guardian angels are anymore, you know, and we actually went into the schools and we spoke to the students and we had one-on-one. We asked them, you know, about their livelihood, about what they wanted to do, about their households, about their relationships, you know, cousins and, you know, not just mother and father, but cousins and, you know, what their relationship with them is. And they were very, very transparent. Some of the things that they said, I was just like, oh, wow. You know, and so if you get into a youth's mind and they are uh, connected to you, they will open up. And so if you can get in there and... um one of the things that we did, even at that time, we spoke to parents, we spoke to relatives, we spoke to neighbors, you know, about the child and, you know, tried to get everything to clinch together. If the child was having difficulty in school, you know, helping them understand this is the difficulty that your child had, you know, being vital, you know, and then in some aspects, which hurt my heart, sometimes the parents wouldn't even engage. And so, that there is where the, 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 the letdown goes, you know, finding out where the letdown goes and then at that point using, utilizing something else that would benefit them so that if mommy and daddy are not engaged, let's find a cousin, let's find a neighbor, let's find a, you know, a, 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 um, a guardian that would be able to assist. All right, all right, all right. Good, 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 um, good placement of the money. Good use, good use of the money. Thank you so much. Oh, let's hear from my girl Shanti. So, what she thinks about this four hundred and eighty-five mil that's about to get dropped in the city of New York for gun violence? Good morning, Shanti. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Good morning, ladies. That's good. I am well, thank you. I'm well, thank you. All right. So what's your thought on, you know, the uh, initiative that's being put out here specifically regarding the concern of gun violence? It sounds like they want to do something about it, but it sounds more like we'll rather just throw money at it than, you know, of course, Anything that you do, a lot of the time is going to require some amount of money, even if it's just a little bit. But it just always, to me, sounds like, okay, we're going to throw money at this, but we're not going to get involved in the real intricate details that would really need to take place. You know, are you going to people who have suffered from gun violence but survived, you know, people who contributed to gun violence. You know, maybe they did time in jail and now they're out and they would like the opportunity to, you know, have a purpose, you know, and speak to young people or people in general who are quick to pick up a gun to solve their problems or to feed their anger or whatever the case may be, you know, and you could, you know, 
make a, a, a donation to them or they probably wouldn't even want a donation. But, you know, is are you doing things like that? It just always sounds to me like, okay, we have this money or we're going to get up this money to do this, but is this something that's going to be ongoing? Are you setting up programs? You know, I remember back in the 90s when we used to watch um, Family Matters and stuff like that, they would have episodes where they would have um, Stop the Violence rallies and they would either be at the schools or in the parks. And the purpose of these rallies was to encourage people to turn in their weapons. You know, bring your weapons here, turn them in. You didn't have to state your name, none of that. You just come, turning your gun, and, you know, there would be food and music and this, that, and the third. You know, are you doing things like that where it would also cause, you know, there, there, of course there were there was police there, but it would also cause some type, you know, fellowship, you know, along with that, you know, to show them that we don't only care about you turning in your weapons, but we care about you. Yes, you, the person who had intentions on using this weapon. Yes, we care about your safety as well. You know, so it just always sounds like they're just ready to throw money at something and not really be willing to get down to the nitty-nitty-gritty-gritty of the issue so that it can be, you know, longevity in, in solving this problem. All right. What would you like to see, something tangible that you could say, you know what, that $485 million, $2 million was used well? If they had rallies, I believe that would that would really spark so many different things, you know, it would, that would possibly spark so many different ideas. You know, you go to these schools, you know, ha- have these rallies, you know, even if a lot of the people who turned in weapons or who attended weren't um, students, but, you know, maybe family members of the students or friends of the students or people that the students got beef with. Like, you know, you don't know who, it's almost like with church, you know, you when you genuinely invite people to church, you don't know who's going to attend and for what reason, you know. So if you were to do something like that and really hold these rallies and you have, you know, music and, and the food and, you know, activities and stuff, you don't know what that would spark. You know, it would possibly spark people to want to go back to school who dropped out. You have no idea. But I think if they were to really invest money into things like that, the longevity would be crazy. All right. Good thought. Good thought. Good thought. Oh, good placement and use of the money. You know, as Vivian was reading and going through um, the list of stuff um, that they said, you know, better housing, social programs, parks and community centers, early intervention, you know, as, as, um, it sounded as though there was an attempt to um, be targeted, but I think like a lot of other times, we hear this money coming out for these particular projects and um, purposes, but we never see the the real um, use of the money. And I do understand, and I will say this, I do understand that, you know, a lot of it will be ghost money. And when I say that, I mean we won't see because, you know, the, the, to do these things 
you know, takes money. It takes a lot of money because you got to start from the root of the of of you know of a project. You know, so um, you got to hire people and all, all kinds of stuff. You know, um, you got to pay contractors, and we don't see that. You know, we don't see that money um, being spent, but it's definitely needed to be spent. However. You're talking about $485 million. If you took $85 million and put a million in 85 communities, imagine the impact. You got 400 to mess mm-hmm. around with. Do whatever you want, whether we see it, whether we don't, you know, because it has to go into areas that we don't see. But if you, I think if you took $1 million and put it in the South Bronx, and you, you know, you had, let's say, for argument's sake, you gave a certain amount to churches. You gave, you know, 50000 to churches. and Even $1,000 into a church could mean a lot. You know, so if you took and you put the brains together, and I think Elder Nisita said it, if you got a, a real round table, because I'm trying to figure out who's sitting at these tables because all y'all are supposed to be from New York, and why we don't ever see the effect? I don't, I'm, I'm so lost. But I think mm-hmm. if you um, took the time, like I said, if you took $85 million and put it in the city of New York in some of the real needed areas, we would see the difference. If you put it in, you know, um, Harlem, and they had to put up a community center, and they had, and you mandated that they do X, Y, and Z with it, or had X, Y, and Z type programs, or whatever it is, or they had to take, you know, a certain amount of money and buy um, laptops and all kinds of things, or whatever the situation was, then guess what? You would see the difference. So I think, you know, you ladies came up with some excellent ideas. And I really think that we need to start, you know, why don't you have some people, some normal citizens at these tables, you know? Mm-hmm. I bet you, we don't, they wouldn't show up to meetings. I bet you one thing, you'd have them show up to meetings. Then when people really feel like what they say matter, I think they end up showing up a little bit more. All right, ladies, we've got a judge who says, hey, you know, y'all real slow on the SNAP benefits. What's up? You know, these people need to have this this application and a yes or a no, or if there's a yes, they need to be seeing some food on their table or an answer in 30 days. It's been a very slow process. You haven't been able to see it. The food instability is real. What? Is this, what is this saying to us and the effect? that you think this is going to have Lady Tamika? You know, when, you, when you're when hungry, you can do all kinds of stuff, you know. Um, and, and, and I'm not talking about for the good, you know. Um, it, it, it can make you, you know, do things that you wouldn't normally do to try and, you know, um, keep it helpful, you know. And it's hard, you know. There are a lot, ever since the pandemic, you know, there have been people that have literally verbalized, I I don't have enough, you know. You got situations where I'm trying to decide on whether I should take this medication 
you know, pay for this medication or eat, you know, and you, you start juggling, you know, life. And, and that being, having to wait six months to get food in your household is ridiculous. Or you keep going back to the facility saying, listen, you know, what's going on, you know, and you're just kind of being left on hold, you know, and that causes more issues with crime. People don't realize it, but it does, you know, because now I got to feed my household. So I got to do what I got to do. And that becomes the mentality. You know, you didn't have that before, but now, you know, I I just got to feed my household or I got to feed myself or I got to feed my children, you know, and all kinds of stuff can transpire because um, people are not being taken care of. And so I'm glad that somebody finally spoke up and said, hey, you know, these people are not getting fed. And so, you know, let's, let's, let's turn this around. Alrighty, alrighty. Shanti, what do you have to say about this judge's ruling that, listen, 30 days and that's it. Make it happen. So she's saying 30 days they have to distribute food stamps? They have to make a decision, and if so, if they're getting it, they need to make sure that these people have a benefit card, money. To put, to put out there for food. Absolutely. You know, and as Lady Tamika was speaking, you know, when she said this is why crime is up, I believe that is one of the main reasons why crime is up right now. Just think about when you're hungry, how hostile the situation get around you <laughs> when you're hungry, okay? And, and that's when you have food in your house, but you either too tired to cook, or you're not in the mood to cook, or you're too busy to cook, you know. So think about the people who legitimately just do not have. And it is sad when you have to make a choice. It's sad that food goes on the luxury list instead of the necessity list now. And with the price of food now, you know, it's really difficult a lot of the time to be able to make your money stretch. You know, even I've been hearing struggle stories of people who have EBT, you know, because it's like, okay, I have, but I don't really get like that. So, you know, when the fifth comes, you know, okay, I I get my my stamp, but the fifth, what I get on the fifth isn't enough to really um, last where I can shop until the fifth of the following month. You know, so it's just really, yeah, they they just need to see, look at the previous story. Those millions of dollars that are probably not being spent the way it should and probably being spent on a whole lot of unnecessary garbage. And now in this story, you have people who really need, where I'm pretty sure that money could be utilized to put on these cards to distribute to families and individuals also so that they can eat. All right, all right. Thank you very much, Elvin. I I think that low um, uh, food insecurity um, has been a problem for uh, decades. Food insecurity really um, is birthed out of food deserts. And what that means is that you have places where um, there just isn't healthy food options. And so that's what SNAP benefits are supposed to be for. It's supposed to be for 
people to not have to feed their children fast food, you know what I mean, all the time, which then results in some of the comorbidities that we experience um, health-wise with hypertension, obesity, um, and so I think that's really the, the issue that's at play here, and I am glad that the courts did get involved because what you're doing is by getting involved now and saying, listen, there is a standard. We expect that you would process people's applications within 30 days so that um, we could begin to spare some of the lives, you know, that can be impacted by some of the co-mobilities, health co-mobilities. So I do think it's, it's, a, 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 it's a train of events that take place here when, you know, people are delaying or dragging their feet and don't want to provide, you know, people with adequate, um, with, with an ability to obtain adequate food, because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about healthier food options. Right, that we know you can go to McDonald's and you can get, you know, a four for four for four dollars, but it's processed food that's not good for you, and you don't want Mm. your children eating that over, you know, a a length of time. And so, to be able to provide them with fresh vegetables, fresh fruits, right, which is so expensive, you don't even want to use your regular money for that. You're like, listen, can somebody give me snap because. I don't want to spend ten dollars <laughs> on a on a bag of apples. Like, why do the apples cost ten dollars? You know, so I, I, it, it is. It, it's so important, and ultimately, it does. It impacts our communities by way of helping us to not, you know, be overweight and have some of the, the situations, the diabetes that are plaguing our community, heart disease that plagues our community, cancer that plagues our communities because our bodies feast off of the excess sugar in our body and ultimately that is what turns into cancer. So I think this this is important and I'm glad the courts got involved. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, thank God for some level of intervention and, um, you know, now they'll stop dragging their feet you know, I think part of the problem was the pandemic where people were home putting their feet up. So now they've got to get on the ball and, and help these people eat in an expeditious manner. Oh, we've got our Pastor Tim that has joined us. But what we're going to do with this round, we're going to back it up and we're going to let um, Lady Tamika start it again to give um, a running start uh, for Pastor Tim to join us. And she didn't hear Vivian's um, uh news, and it's only me kind of giving a sub, <laughs> a sub, a reminder of what Vivian said. Well, we've got this increase on MT, uh, EMT workers who are suffering now at the hands of the, the, um, the patients that they are out here serving. You know, Vivian says that they have a stat of 121 assaults against EMS workers this year alone, and it includes a story of or an incident of a worker who was stabbed eight times in the back of a bus as she was, you know, there to serve um, as an aide to, I guess, until they get to the hospital, and um, the individual pulled out a kitchen knife from his sock and began to um, uh, assault the worker. 
you now have some new where well, they're going to try to implement some new um, rules, such as two EMT workers on the back of the bus, one for servicing the patient and one for just protection and just kind of being the second eyes um, back there. A mandatory police assistance. Um, the, the the part that is like a real catch-22 situation is they must be searched before entering the bus. Oh, Lady Tamika, what's your thought on this here? Well, you know, my thought is, you know, um, trying to maintain, everybody tells me, oh, um, you know, as, as an EMT worker, trying to maintain you as you get to the hospital and you laying down, the next thing I know, I get sad, you know, from, you know, they didn't tell me all of the information. All they told me was that, you know, they found you unconscious. So, of course, I'm thinking to take care of you, you know, not that I'm going to be the victim of, of anything. My responsibility was to ensure that you're, you're safe. You know, and my heart goes out to these individuals who, whose job is to just make sure that you're transported from one place to the other and in the interim, make sure that your health is well. You know, they shouldn't have to be worried now about their health. Um, I think that it is a beautiful thing that they're making sure that the guardians of that particular area are now being guarded. You know, um, that, that's horrible. You know, to, I turn my back to go get something. And then I get stabbed in the back. That, I, my heart just goes out to them. I'm glad that there is some coverage now for for those those that have already been assaulted and for those, you know, who may be assaulted in the future. Absolutely, absolutely. Shanti, you know, this is a dangerous situation that's kind of been left alone for a long time. No one's been really considering the potential danger about EMT workers. Uh, oh my goodness, what is next? What area are people going to choose to be ignorant in next? These people are literally the doctors before you get to the doctors. Okay, there have been so many lives that have been saved because the EMTs knew what to do. They cared enough to actually do it while they transport you from your home or wherever you are to the hospital. Why now are we taking the time to attack these people? Is this a plan you thought of the night before? Or were you bored and said, I'm going to act like I'm sick, and then I'm going to attack the EMT person? Like, why? Was this a, absolutely, they... Uh, it's crazy that you have to take time to even address something like this, but it has to, you can't overlook this anymore. You have to make sure that they're safe because what happens if they start being like the teachers and everybody starts quitting being an EMT worker? What happens then? We cannot afford to have a shortage. And it's bad enough sometimes it takes the cops and the ambulance three hours to arrive when you call them for whatever the reason is. Now, you got people quitting because their life is on the line. What do you do then? What do you do then? So I, they definitely have to make sure that, you know, they take the proper steps in making the workers feel secure enough to want to get up to go to work the following day. 
Well, well, keep in mind, um, and this is definitely for um, Pastor Tim, but Shanti, keep in mind that Vivian said that the concern is the rise in mental health, um, the, the mental health um, um, issue that has really um, taken flight. You know, now we have to pay attention to the fact that a lot of, you know, these um, individuals that are walking around freely right now are mentally ill. And, and this is what's kind of launching um, this increase in the lack of safety for the EMT workers. Good morning, Pastor Kim. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Okay. Glad to hear. I'm well, thank you. So you hear this this rise in this, you know, uh, mental illness issue, and now it's taking effect on the EMT workers. What's your thought on this? You know, they're saying they're now going to try to increase the safety, put two people on the bus, uh, in the back of the bus. They're going to put, you know, a uh, uh, police. Uh, you know, assistance and, and chauffeuring until they get to the hospital or at least come to the home and or wherever mm-hmm. the, 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 uh, the EMT people have to, you know, go um, where the call is. You know, what's your, what do you think about this here? You know, it's, it's just sad when um, our essential workers that are here to help us you know, to hear, I mean, the ones that are here to make sure that people um, are provided um, services for when they're sick, for when they're, you know, going through whatever it is that they're going through um, mentally or physically, you know, that they have to fear for their lives. And that's why they have a shortage, you know, of these workers. You know, I think that it, it probably really started throughout the pandemic. And then, you know, because I think that across the board, everybody has had a lack of staff um, following from the pandemic. And um, it's just, you know, it seems like things are getting worse. And following that, people were trying to be off work and getting unemployment, what have you. And and then once that ran out, it seemed like people's frame of mind just, you know, was still just the same. Like they just didn't want to work. But what's the excuse now? You know, now, other than the fact that, you know, people fear for their safety or whatever. But I, I just think that across the board, people's minds are still yet under attack. Even if they don't have mental um, issues, some people are still mentally um, just in a state of bondage. And um, it's really sad when you have to um, get extra protection on in an ambulance that's not even really that big, but to even have to feel like I got a fear for my life because somebody might attack me while um, trying to treat somebody that needs help. So, again, I'm back to, you know, my saying, Pastor Steph, we're in our last and evil days, you know. This is just where we are. People are really, um, they're, it's like they're losing their minds, and it's so sad. It's so sad the way the world is. You can't ride the bus. You can't get in an ambulance. You know, is it going to be that way in the hospitals next? And that's why, you know, uh, one thing I do know is that even in the hospitals, they do have, like, metal detectors um, when you go in through a hospital. 
and they might have to have a detect some kind of detector when you get in the ambulance now. Lord have mercy. Can you imagine? That is crazy. That's where we come to. That is where we come to. Oh, Elder Natisha, what are we talking about here? So the sadness of, like, what we are dealing with today, right? Mental illness is, is real, and um, there has to be an investment made toward that as well. You know, we're looking at how to spend funds appropriately. We have to include mental illness as part of the conversation, as part of the topic. And so it is. It's, it's sad that now our EMT workers have to fear for their lives. I mean, I think it's the state of, of this fallen world, and um, <laughs> get right with Jesus. <laughs> really, it's it's time for us to realize the importance of getting right with Jesus. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, ladies, uh, <laughs> we've talked about this. We've talked about this at nauseum. What do we do? Last week, we, we got the news that there was finally an awareness and we can't do this anymore. Let's close up um, the, the bus depot and we're not letting anyone else in. And now, you know, <laughs> we're not surprised that the line outside of the hotel is existing, that they're sleeping outside on the boxes that they're being fed once a day, that the food that they're being served is not, um, you know, edible. It is, it's not something that they can really eat. You know, there's pregnant asylum seekers. <laughs> Jesus. So now we have our our problem that existed here already is now the problem that the new homeless people are facing. What do we do? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what do we do. What's the, what's the answer? And, and Shanti, I want a reasonable answer. I want the sarcastic answer this morning. What's a reasonable – let, let, let's talk where do we go from here? Oh, goodness. Anytime I get, I've responded sarcastically, it's because it's so sad. Um, read, read, oh, goodness gracious. You have now, as you just said, Pastor Steph, now additional people along with the initial problem that was already taking place out here in our streets. You can't show partiality and pick and choose who you're going to help. And a lot of see, a lot of times people don't understand the the issues that they cause because now naturally that's the first thing that people are going to do. So is show partiality because now it's okay, we're going to help these people right now, but we're not going to help these set of people right now, regardless of who they decide to, to pick. So now they're going to have to, the same way they like to throw money at everything else, they're going to really have to stop acting like they don't really have money like that. And they're going to have to throw money 
at this situation to really give these people a secure place to stay. There is no reason why you should have opened up our doors and now people are sleeping on the streets along with the people who are already here sleeping on the streets. That That is just insane. So now the money that they act like they do not have, they need, again, to come up on the rate on the block with a real plan as to how they are going to facilitate the safety of these people where they can eat, where they can bathe. Because, again, if I'm hungry and I think I'm mad, I'm going to hurt somebody, which causes more crime, which causes more hostility. And now you got crazy homeless people walking around here and now there's no limit to what they will or will not do in order to feel comfortable and or safe. So the money that they're acting like they really don't have or that they're throwing at all these other situations that are really not, you know, being taken care of, they really need to sit and make sure that everyone, now you have to make sure you take care of everybody so that it doesn't look like you're showing favoritism as to who you're taking care of and who you're not taking care of. Because for you to open the door and have this, like, 80 homeless people is just insane to me. Wow, wow, wow. Pastor Kim, we have this issue of the new homeless. (laughs) The new homeless people. We've talked about this like crazy. I'm sure everywhere, you know, in the state of, um, in the United States, you're talking about this. Where do we go from here? We let's talk results. You know, how do we move forward? What do we do now that we have the people who came here looking for shelter, a new life, a new start? We cannot house them. We cannot feed them because they're here in droves where. Nobody felt that they could, you know, they were going to get to. But what do you do from here? How do you answer this problem? You know, it's it's very questionable because you just, I mean, it. I would think that it would mean to open up some more facilities, you know, get more staffing, you know, that are for these people that need, um, shelter, you know, you got all of these homes that are out here, uh, vacant homes and different things. Um, you got people doing these housing projects. Get some houses for these homeless people. Get uh, you got vacant churches everywhere. You got vacant schools everywhere. These would be uh, the appropriate places to, to to start up and open up. Um, some more facilities to make um, housing uh, for these people that need them. You know, they got all kinds of uh, government funds and and different things and grant money and stuff that's out there. Why don't they use it to help these people that are homeless? All righty. All righty. Elder Natisha, we need a fast answer. What's the quick answer? I don't know that there's a quick answer except, you know, to have to 
send them back home, unfortunately. And I know we don't know what situations they're running from. We don't know what poverty levels uh, existed where they're coming from. But I know that it, it is sad. It's like literally um, I was flabbergasted driving in my community about 10, 10 blocks up from where I live in the city, and all of them are on the sidewalk with mattresses. And, and then that night, it was pouring down rain. And I'm like, so but wait a minute. They, they're just outside on the sidewalk? The entire sidewalk. People literally have to cross the street in order to try to get back us to get past them because they're just all over the children walking around with no shirts on and pampers. Like, it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. It's inhumane, absolutely. And so, you know, here's where we, and this is what we knew, right, because one of the articles that I read, because that just had me, like, flabbergasted, and so I went looking at it to do some research. One of the articles that I read was that he was, uh, Mayor Adams was hoping that we would get funding from the federal government, and because we did not get the money from the federal government is why he is saying now that we don't, we can't um, continue to open our doors, and we're going to have to, unfortunately, send people back home. And there it is. And I thought to myself, that's, there it is. There it is. We knew that we were not just opening up outdoors, right, out of the kindness of our heart, but that there was something to it. And so when I saw that piece in the article that said he was hoping to get federal funding and he did not get the federal funding necessary to continue to, to um, build up some of these places, that is why we're having to send people back. A lot of the schools that um, were closed down, because this was in the article as well, that were closed down um, have asbestos. And so and same, same thing with um, some of these vacant buildings and stuff that we see. They have um, really, um, con- uh, really bad conditions, air quality conditions that would prevent people from just going in. So he was hoping to get the federal funding to use, of course, a portion of it to build some of these places, bring them up to, um, to, to, to standard, and then be able to move these people into them. And so it just didn't pan out that way. But it is sad, and, and, and I don't know what kind of conditions they face back in their country, but it has got to be better than this. Yeah, yeah you never know. You never know. You never know. Lady Tamika. My heart goes out to this group of people who have gone through so much and have travailed. We have absolutely no idea what they went through before they got here. And now they're sleeping on sidewalks and getting partial food, you know, um, for some people, a meal is not going to suffice, you know. Um, and then when you give me something, it's not even edible. It's frozen or we also realize that you have people who eat certain things. You know, maybe um, a, a sandwich is not, you know, feasible 
you know, for me. Maybe especially if we're talking about a pregnant, you know, woman. We're talking about somebody who's going to need vegetation for, you know, her health, for her child. So she's feeding not she's eating not just for herself. She's eating for two, and she only gets one meal, and it's partially edible, um, or it's frozen, or nine times out of ten, if it's frozen, it's been sitting for a while. You know, so then when it thaws out, it's not edible. You know, and that's, you know, we, we keep talking about them revolting and them, you know, um, uh, picketing. And, you know, you got to give me better than this. You got to give me better than sitting in a church with no access to a bathroom or sitting in a tent with no access to a bathroom or putting me way out somewhere and I have no access to getting from one place to another. It's bad enough that I don't speak the language, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a great thing because here in, you know, New York people, you know, the, the likelihood of you, you speaking to someone who speaks Spanish is a benefit, but if you're way out in a remote area, how long will you get there? You don't know where you're going. You don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know who you're going to get in contact with, and you don't speak the, the, the language. And the likelihood of you, you speaking to one person that doesn't speak the language is possible. You may have to go through, you know, five or six people that don't speak Spanish at all. You know, and so my heart really, really goes out to them. Let's try and, you know, not just get them here and then at that point, well, we did our job. That's horrible. You know, continue to progress. You know, one of the things that I'm starting to notice across the board, and we keep talking about it um, from the very beginning of this phone call, is just following through. If you're going to do one part, then do it all. Don't just stand there and do, okay, well, I did this part, and that's the end of my job. Continue on. Follow through. If 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 you finish step one, go to step two. Step three, step four, and it doesn't stop. Keep going. If you're going to get them here, then continue to do what needs to be done for their progress. Not only that, realize that when you help their progress, then you help us. Either close the door and take care of what you have here. Um, find a way to make things happen. If you, if, you know, we have already had even officials here in New York that have sent letters to the president saying, please, please help us. Stop. You know, this is a crisis at this point. You know, and it, it's getting crazier and crazier. And honestly, you know, it becomes a more more of a danger to ourselves. If we look at this whole conversation from the very beginning up until now, it's really detrimental. Mm, absolutely. I will say this. It was a bad plan to begin with. And yep. the results showed that it was a bad plan. It wasn't thought through. Whatever they thought, the United States thought that they were going to get out of this, it was an epic fail. These people were told that they were going to come over here and this was going to be the land of milk and honey. We thought in the very beginning that people, the people who got here said that they were calling back, telling people to come on because um, they were here and it was a great place to be. We, that was that was the news article. These, these were quotes. I'm not saying they don't make stuff up, but these were quotes, so I'm just going to believe that that's what's said, and I don't doubt it. I bet you you could pay them to go back right about now. I mm-hmm. bet you ain't got to ask. Do you want to go back? They are probably trying to figure out how they can get back. So start taking applications for who wants to go back. Let them go back. And here's the problem, ladies. This government is going to catch holy hell, and I'm going to tell you why. Mm -hmm. 
Because you can't the homeless people or the United States citizens. You ain't got no money. You can't yep. help us. You ain't got a plan. You don't know what to do because you pulled out a whole lot of money and a whole lot of real estate mm-hmm. in order to accommodate what you thought you were going to get as a benefit. So for our veterans and all of these other people who have been living on the streets from day one and now have to share their streets with the new people who ain't got no place to live, you cannot now tell them when you start getting rid of these people because you're going to have to send some of them back. Send them back is not an option. That's something that they should have been thinking about 10 months ago, sending them back instead of bringing them over here. And what's going to happen now is you're going to now have to answer to the, the United States citizens as to what you're going to do for us now because you surely can't tell us what you were telling us before that, you know, we've got this homeless crisis and you ain't got no money and no real estate. What you needed to do was you needed to bring some of these people over here. And, 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 and yes, the schools are closed because we talked about this. The schools are closed because they have an asbestos problem. We talked about it recently in Philly. A lot of the schools had to be closed, and they had to now bus their children over to another area of Philadelphia because the schools had to be closed for the asbestos. Guess what? Get these people some hazmat suits. Get the material that you're going to need or tear it down, build it back up. These people have skills with their hands. They have gifts and talents. You should have brought some of them over here to help build up the United States and then you can start dealing with the homeless here, and then whatever plan you had, you could have then brought them over here and now helped. And whatever you wanted to do, whatever your best secret meetings were, the agenda, you could have accomplished your agenda. No, you brought them here first and then realized you could help them. You should have known from the beginning because guess what? The average citizen had already figured that out. First thing we started asking yeah. is where these people going to go when our own people don't have a place to go. So bad plans from the beginning. Start taking them buses, putting them back, shipping them back, put them back over the border. And, it's, it's just, and I'm not saying it heartlessly. I'm saying it realistically. Enough is enough now. You're talking about increasing benefits mm-hmm. for SNAP. To who? To who? You now got to take a dollar yeah. and make it into a, it's a penny now. So, listen, let, let's reverse and then move forward. Sometimes in life we got to go backwards, and then we have to then go forward. So let's get this job done. And that's just the bottom line. Yeah, yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah. It, it's really not yeah. much, much else. It, it doesn't make sense to scratch your head, you know, wipe your tears. You know, you thought you were going to get the funding. And I'm going to be honest. Let me tell you something. I, I really believe there's some other stuff off somebody else's sleeve too. Let, let me get $5. And I'm gonna make you think I'm gonna take it and use it for your asylum seekers, and I'm gonna take it and use it mm-hmm. for my own place and my own agenda. And I'm not saying necessarily mm-hmm. Adams, but I, there's a whole lot of underhanded stuff going on here. And here's what's happened: it's blowing up in everybody's face. The fact of the matter is, mm-hmm. we were overloaded here, and and Adams did need for some government funding because he couldn't do it on the five dollars that he had. So, listen, we are where we are. So let's just go backwards and move forward. All right, ladies. Um, our last story, we 
this is all Vivian's fault that we have not gotten to. It's been, I think, two weeks since we got to our conversation, our topic. Thank you, Vivian. But you know what? It's a, we, we need to do what we need to do. Uh, we have this student who was assault, sexually assaulted by two students in the school. Um, long story short, um, after she tried to commit suicide, after she was doing some harmful things to herself, a letter was written um, to, I believe, one of the assistant principals or someone in power. Let's put it like that. They passed this letter around. Nobody did anything. Um, come to find out, one of the assistant principals was connected to one of the uh, accused and did his own did his own research and found that it was uh, nothing to it. And now they're all going down. Principal, assistant principal, guidance counselor, teacher, they're all going down for their negligence, for their dismissal. Um, they said she had already tried to commit suicide, so they were not concerned and, and really moved that this was the reason why she had tried to commit suicide. And um, here we are, again, the system failing our students. And I'm going to start with you, Elder Natisha. Yeah, this is this is this is sad and it and it's horrible that um we've come to the place where we are unable to call right right and wrong wrong regardless as to what our connections are um to a person. If your loved one has committed a crime against someone else, how dare you conceal it or how dare you make it go away and leave this young lady uh, without justice and the destruction of her life as a result of that incident and what has happened to her. And I think what's even worse to continue with the story is the fact that now you got, you, you're able to see a young lady get sexually assaulted and and, see, and, and and even if you call yourself smacking the guys on the hands, you had a, a tough conversation with them, all this foolishness, and you're able to still keep your job? As far as I'm concerned, you're just as guilty as they are with the fact that you could see a young lady get sexually assaulted, do nothing about it, and then you still be able to work in the school. So how many of the sexual assaults? Because these young mm-hmm. men are sure. Once they, once they got yep. away with it the first time, they didn't stop. Right. So That's how many right. other sexual assaults are under their belt, and you guys have done nothing about it? You are an accessory to the crime. You are as guilty as they are, and I said he has to put all of you under the jail. Oh, right now, <laughs> under the jail. Pastor Kim, you're in the school, and, you know, you hear that this is what's happened. And the insult to injury is that they have all maintained a job in the school system. So you were you were guilty of negligence, but you can still sit in the school system. Does this make sense? Absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, it's it's just a disgrace and it's an insult, you know, to the other staff, to the other students, you know, to the parents um, that know that these different things are going on, you know, and, um, you know, it's only right that you handle situations accordingly, you know, um, Right now, there's so much, and, and me and um, um, Lady um, uh, Clayton, we were talking about just different things that um, go on in the schools that you would be so surprised of and how many things that these children are just getting away with. You know, um, they really have got to do better in these school systems. Um, they need to get better staffing. But it, but it just seems like across the board, you know, that um, the system has gotten so weak, you know, uh, in the police department, you know. you, you um, Here, we just heard on the news that some of our officers were taken off the job because of things that they were doing. It's like everybody is losing their minds. It's like, Lord, what is going on? I know that we're close to the end, but it's becoming more and more evident when you see the different things that are happening. You know, a school is a place that you could send your children where they can be safe and they can get an education. But it's it's like now a lot of people are starting to homeschool their kids because they can't even trust the school system. And it's so sad. Uh Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, Lady Samika. Oh, boy. Uh, You know, I I was trying my best to listen in to all of the names that um, were mentioned um, that kind of turned the blind eye, you know, and I I don't want to be impartial, but I'm almost positive that the names, all of the names of the staff, including the principal, that were mentioned were male. You know, did you uh, belittle the ideal? And it hurt my heart because a lot of times our youth are ignored by signs. You know, I I remember um, it being verbalized earlier that, you know, because she had attempted suicide, which basically is, um, and after effect of her being assaulted, you, you kind of belittled the thought, because, oh, well, she did it before. She tried it before. You know, not necessarily looking at the heart of the matter. You know, again, you know, I, I keep seeing from the very beginning to now that we're not looking. We're, we're just kind of surface level type of stuff. We don't want to do our part, you know. She's telling you that she's, gotten a, that she's been assaulted, that she's been molested, that she's being touched. And... It just went without you. You didn't report it. You know, as a um, a member of staff for school, you are a mandated reporter. So that means on the offset, on the offset, whether you know whether it was done or not, your responsibility is to follow through. There is no follow through. And my heart goes out to her because now she has to deal with the residual effects of what's going on in her mind, her body, you know, her spirit, her soul, you know, and 
somebody's going to have to nurture that. Somebody's going to have to pray for her. Somebody's going to have to lift her um, in where she is so that she doesn't continue to cause issues to her own self. You know, we don't even know what kind of stuff will transpire in her life from now to the future, but somebody's going to have to be there for her. Mm, Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, Shanti. Pedophiles that are now linking up with the students. I don't understand how, who who are your higher-ups that once they heard about this, they didn't either smack you themselves or just make sure that you never saw your office again. Don't go back to your office and get the box to put your things in. No, you Wherever this hearing was or was taking place, just leave from here and go to jail or leave from here and go home. There is no returning back to the school to collect anything because that is just – so what you're, what you're saying is that this person who just suffered from being violated like this not only has – is supposed to – She's not only expected to look at the people who actually touched her every day, but now she's supposed to look at you, whether she knows that you're part of the cover-up or not. She's supposed to look at you every day, and she's supposed to be okay with this. It doesn't matter what she has done, good or bad, before this took place. You have now contributed to this girl wanting to end her life. You are now contributing to the the plans and the desires of these sick kids and what they're doing because now they know they can do and say whatever and they're they won't get penalized for it because you're doing it too. There's no way you're covering this up and you're not doing this too. There's no way you're covering this up and you're not messing with students yourself. There's no way you're covering this up and you're not messing with younger people yourself. You're doing this. Or even or even your peers. There's no way that you're covering this up and somewhere, I wouldn't be surprised if it came out that now someone their age who's working alongside of them doesn't have some type of sexual harassment complaint or something. There's no way. So now you're you're breeding yourself within the next generation. You're teaching them how to be like you. No. Are they, they needed to have gone to whatever meeting or hearing or whatever and not been allowed to return back to their school and they need to get penalized to the fullest extent because they don't even realize what they have really contributed to. Very sad state of affair. Very sad state of affair. Ladies, as always, you have been um, wonderful in your delivery of your thoughts and, and how we need to handle things. I thank you so much for your contribution into today's conversation, and we pray you have a blessed day. You too. Thank you. Have a wonderful one. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, we're giving um, God thanks for all that we can um, get from you know, all of our ladies and the contribution that they continually give from day to day. We're going to keep our Pastor Charlene lifted before the Lord as she's dealing with some medical issues, and we pray that she um, is coming along and, you know, God has his healing hand on her. 
And what we're going to do right now is hold hands and hold hearts and go before the Lord and give God thanks for all that he's done and lift all of our situations up before him. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. We thank you for just breathing the breath of life into our bodies today, just ushering us and inviting us into your day. God, we thank you for us being able to wake up in our right frame of mind, being able to wake up under a roof with clothes and food. And all those things may not be exactly the way we want them to be, God, we thank you for what is. We thank you that you are a faithful God that continues to bless us and give us our needs. You said you would provide all of our needs according to your riches and glory. And we thank you for just being a man of your word. Lord, we're going to lift up these asylum seekers to you today, dear Heavenly Father. People who were promised and told that, you know, the conditions that they were in would be improved once they got here to the United States, that things were just going to be different. And, Lord, only for them to come here and find that, you know, it, it, it's just equivalent to where they came from. And, Lord, we're asking you to just do whatever healing it is that needs to be done, God. And, you know, if going back is the answer, then let your will be done, dear God. Whatever it is that you need to do to settle and to satisfy this situation, God, to put more weight on this country and for these people, the citizens here, to suffer even the more or to have less than what um, we even had before the additional um, individuals came here, the Heavenly Father, is not your will. And, Lord, so many innocent people have fallen by the wayside, on both sides, the Heavenly Father. For the children who are here who are suffering, where they thought their parents thought that they were bringing them into a different situation, into a better situation, the Heavenly Father, we ask you to just take care of this situation, that our babies don't suffer. They are now our babies. And, Lord, we pray that the conditions where they are, where they were, would be better. Because we know that it, it, it's just not balanced the way it's supposed to be here. That this country now has nothing to offer them if they're suffering at the same uh, results that we are already that we've been already suffering. And Lord, we just pray for the powers that be. You know, Your Word says that You have <laughs> allowed and appointed. And ooh, is this our punishment? Is this our punishment for saying no? Is this our punishment for saying? We don't want you. We rather have Barabbas. Is this what we have to eat now? Because we have just turned away from you. But for those of us who have been called by your name, if we would just turn from our wicked and evil ways, you would hear and you would correct. And we ask you, dear Heavenly Father, to just help us. Just help us, God. For those of us who have not turned our backs, for those of us who are still standing on the front line, for those of us, God, who are still marching in your army, dear Heavenly Father, just raise us up even higher, God. 
that we would just band together to help to strengthen the weak points, that we would be stronger, that we would be more determined to serve you if we began to take care of our families and our families began to take care of the neighborhoods and the neighborhood began to take care of the city, the city took care of the state, the state took care of the nation, God that we would be in a better situation. So, Lord, I pray that you just make it aware to us what we're not doing, how we have fallen down on the job, how we have become weakened, and that we would stand up and salute you accordingly so that we could make the difference that you have designed um, from creation, God. Lord, we're just asking you to be with all of our essential workers. We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, to cover them. We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, to protect them. They're here to help us. They're here to serve us. And now they're at the hands of of, of hurt and pain and harm. And we ask you, dear Heavenly Father, to just cover them, that they do not get discouraged because they are who we need. And that you would raise up in their hearts the courageousness that they need, but that we would protect them accordingly, that we would not leave them there to be assaulted, murdered. And we're asking you, dear Heavenly Father, again, for those that make the decision, that they would make it happen for their safety, so that they could serve as their heart desires. Lord, we're just asking you to just be with your people, period. We need you. We need you, God. For those who are in power, who have just decided to lay down and be self-serving, they're protecting the evil and the wicked, opposed to serving the people that you have uh, uh, assigned them to that we would care more about our family and friends and protecting them more than protecting the innocent, more than just doing the right thing, God. We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, to make it right. Make it right in their minds. Make it right in their hearts. Make it right in their spirit. That they will have a restful night. That that at one point it was okay, but now... It's not. You've done it for all of us, God. We have all seen our wicked and evil ways. All of us have fallen short of your glory. All of us have sinned. So you can do it. You've done it for us. There's no there's no reason why they can't do it as well. So, Lord, we just ask you, we just ask you to cover us as you're working on these uh, sinful hearts and sinful minds and that they would be transformed and renewed so that they can serve your people accordingly. The world we're living in, God, we can't even rely on the people who are in charge to do the right thing. We're thanking you, Father. We're thanking you for all that you have done, all that you're doing, God, and all that you will do. We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, that we would just Again, stand up and pay attention to what we can do that's better. That we're not just sitting around pointing the finger at they, they, them, them. 
but that we could look in the mirror and say, I. Ask ourselves, ask you, am I doing what you would have me to do? We give you the glory and the honor, God, for us to be able to just fellowship on this level. Join hands and join hearts that somebody would hear. We give you the glory and the honor, so rightly do the name. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Ah, I tell you, you know, when you hear these stories, you really realize how much we have fallen and how bad it is out here that, you know, we don't know a world. You know, those of us in this generation, we don't know a world where we couldn't rely on our on our uh, on our decision makers or or people who were designed to you know rule you know we could always go to the principal we could always go you know to the people who were put in place to help us and to help make the difference but boy has that changed and i i always ask this question here do you think it's because we said no? And my resounding answer is yes. You know, God says, you know what? I'm not forcing myself on anybody. I'm not going to make you take me. I am here, ready, willing, and able. But it's you who have to choose me. And he says, I will leave them to a reprobate mind. And boy, are we seeing what that looks like. You know, people think that they can do it on their own. And God is really showing us that we ain't got no say. God is really showing us that we have no control. We think we have it together. We think we can do it without him. Nah, that ain't, that, that's not happening. And we're, we're not capable. We're not capable of doing the right thing on our own. The only reason why we're not murderers, the only reason why we're not thieves, the only reason why we're not promiscuous, the only reason why we're not heinous is because of God and his son. That's the only reason why we can't declare or claim that we would be anybody different if we did not call on the name of the Lord and allow God to do what he does in our life. Well, I'm going to tell you how we know. Look at how, how we are now. <laughs> you know, when we've claimed Jesus and we're struggling to do the right thing, we're still messing, messing up and making a mess. You look at us in the church, and we ain't even doing what we're supposed to be doing at the time. You can't rely on these pastors and these deacons and these elders to do the right thing all the time. No. Because we have not completely been transformed. So imagine a life without God at all. That's how you know that if it weren't for God, we'd be an ultimate mess. Because we're a mess with Him. And it's a daily struggle 
You got to be in this thing. You've got to throw everything into that ring in order not to be a mess. You've got to submit and surrender all the time, every day. Give your life to the Lord over and over and over again. Tell God, I belong to you over and over again. Surrender to God over and over and over again. Because, baby, let me tell you, without it, you ain't nothing and you ain't going to make it. It just ain't going to happen. Because when you try to keep from killing your kids, <laughs> when you try to keep from killing your husband or your wife, when you try to keep from killing your boss, or when you, you want to do something to somebody and you really got to go to the Lord and say, Lord, you're going to have to take the will because I ain't there. And you find yourself there less and less. It's only because the Lord has heard your cry and you have surrendered to him. See, without submitting yourself to the Lord on a regular basis, moment by moment, moment, second by second, you're not going to get this thing called life done properly. We are already in prison if we do not ask God to take the shackles off. We don't have to be in the in, in the jailhouse. We're walking around in prison right now. If we do not ask God to release us and break the chains. So don't, don't think it's you. Stop, 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 don't, uh, 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 take that badge off. Take them stripes off. That ain't you. Uh-uh, 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 stop bragging. Stop bragging. Stop talking about what you do. You ain't doing a thing. If it ain't for God, if it's not for Jesus, that's why he went up on that cross to you and I. Because we needed an opportunity, a real opportunity at the tree of life. Because let me tell you something, this ain't living out here, ain't living. These people tell me I'm living my best life. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because it's a daily struggle when you're in the Lord. So how you living your best life? Your best life is nothing. You don't have a best life if you don't know the Lord. You don't have a best life if you don't know that you could take a moment in the day and just go stand over in your quiet corner and go, God, I need you right now. God, I'm giving thanks for who you've made Stephanie out to be. God, I give you because if it weren't for you, I'd be dead. God, I give you thanks because if it weren't for you, somebody else would be dead in my hand. That's living your best life. When you got a God that you can call on at any at any time, and you know that he can rescue you, that is your best life. Make sure you tap in to your true best life. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit as you go through your day. Be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my due time crew, our ladies, for always giving us the best from God. Thank you for hanging out with us. Please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen that relationship with the Lord right now because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, God spares. Where it's 7.30.
Therapeutic Thursday. Until then, I love you.